Musician Mindset is a conversation series that extracts the performance and preparation thought process from world-class musicians, leaving you with wisdom and exercises to level up your musical journey. Our guest today as a bassist, He's been playing for over 40 years, working with some of the finest musicians in the world. He's played with such greats as Frank Gambali, Takmatsumoto, Mike Stern, Billy Cobham, Daniel Ho, Chester Thompson, and Brian Bromberg. He's been involved with education for over 30 years. 23 of those 30 years has been connected with Los Angeles College of Music, formerly Los Angeles Music Academy, where he's been teaching in the bass department as well as many of the all-school classes, teaching such subjects as harmony and theory, ear training, jazz bass, jazz history, which he wrote the online curriculum, rhythm studies, ensemble classes, music notation, beginning piano, and sight singing for vocalists. He's also taught private lessons for most of his career, not only to bass players, but also drum and guitar students. Not only has he written the online jazz history course for LACM, he's also written six quarters of jazz curriculum for the bass department and two quarters of a bass rhythm studies class. This class deals with everything rhythmic, including odd meters, building the inner clock, and exploring polyrhythm and metric modulation. Steve is passionate about his students. He's developed a teaching style that is all his own. He gives students the essential tools they need, not only to be great musicians, but more importantly, he gives them skills to be good people and to be successful in life. He encourages them to reach for their dreams and to be the best they can be. He gets them to establish a centered and focused work ethic that will serve them the rest of their days, helping them to discover who they are and helping them find their own musical voice, which is one of the reasons why he's so perfect for this podcast. And to take this personal, I can attest to all of this about him because we played together for over 15 years. He was one of the very first people I met on one of my first gigs when I moved to LA, and he's been a good friend ever since. He exemplifies so many of the qualities that are important to me, and he's a real role model. Not only that, he actually might be literally the nicest person I've ever met in my life. That's kind. Let's welcome Steve Billman. Steve, thank you. To the show. Wow, what an intro. Yeah. <laughs> thank you, Dave. That was very, Man, very, very nice. I'm beyond excited to have you here today. I'm really excited to be here. This is going to so, be awesome. Thank you. Thank you. I look forward to it. So there's so many places that we could start. I mean, based on that intro, um, <laughs> I think we're going to... I think we should start with metric modulation. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> where I was going to go. That's my subject. <laughs> yes, let's go. But let's uh, let's stay true to form here and let's take it uh, where we have with the other guests, which is uh, your first performance. Can you recall your, your very first stage performance? Yes, like it was yesterday. Okay, tell us um, about it. I was in what we called junior high. I think they call middle school now. Uh, seventh grade and uh, um, it was a talent show at my junior high Mm -hmm. and uh, we did uh, it was a guitar player friend of mine who uh, I started playing with and it was just guitar and bass and we did a Black Sabbath tune it was the first tune I ever learned nice yeah paranoid yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) and uh, we did that and then we sort of at the time I didn't know what it was but it was sort of uh uh, Jimi Hendrix tune. It was like compilations of different tunes of his. So we did two tunes and man, that was, there's nothing like that, that feeling of people screaming and yeah, especially junior high, you know, yeah, it's yeah. Like, and, uh, we got, we, we were invited to a lot of parties after that. So it went well. So it went really well. Right. Yeah, it was a blast. Well, uh, some, some of the people we've talked to, uh, or talked to, some of the people we've spoken with, uh, have mentioned nerves during their first show. Do you remember how you felt? I don't think I was nervous my first show. Uh, I think I was just so wrapped up in just the fun of it and just really wanting to play. Yeah. And uh, maybe there was some uh, some energy you know, mm-hmm. some butterflies, but it, I, I, I wanted to get out there and play and, uh, and it was very successful. So I had a good time. Yeah. What was the preparation before that gig? Uh, a lot of practice. Uh, I had just picked up the instruments. So I worked a lot on those tunes and just focusing on those two tunes. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I started, I started pretty serious. I had a teacher, so I started right away reading. I started right away uh, technique exercises. So I think right away I had a focus on on just um, preparing very well. 
mm-hmm. and making sure I knew. There's, you know, obviously I didn't read anything. Stuff was memorized. So I had played it many times. Mm-hmm. Now, like from that first gig, what was something that you learned that you took into the next gig and moving forward? Maybe something that you still take to this day. I usually, I try to over-prepare. And um, uh, so that means like the projects that I have now, there's, I, we'll, we'll talk about later, but this project I'm doing now, I'm literally playing the music every day. So I'm, I'm over-preparing so that mm-hmm. if something does come up, um, I'm able to fix it. I heard Getty Lee talk about this in a Rush documentary, and they were talking about, um, <clears throat> you know, are you guys, are you prepared yet? And Getty said, no, not yet. And he said, we're over-preparers because the music is so complex that if we don't get to the place where we can do it in our sleep, uh, then it's, it's going to be trouble. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of my concept is I just try to prepare so I know it so well that if something does sort of go somewhere, I know it well enough to where I can fix it. That's a, a common theme, I think, with with people is you, you want to allow yourself a little bit of headroom. Mm-hmm. You don't want to have to be devoting all of your mental capabilities to your playing because you're going to have to allow for external exactly. factors and things going wrong. Exactly. I think that's Getty's point. Yeah. 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 And so the more prepared you are, the more prepared you are to deal with something maybe that happens that you're not expecting. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think that's a big part of what I try to do. In your preparation for a gig, you know, the first one or, or, you know, where you're at today, is there any uh, mental preparation? Like there's obviously like the musical preparation, but do you go to the other side? Uh, yeah, I, I think I think I've tried a lot of different things because because the the anxiety thing has been an issue for me over over my career uh, later on. Um, and sometimes I've tried to just what you could call get centered. So before a gig, uh, sometimes I'll, I'll listen to music. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes I'll pray for myself. I'll just sit quietly and um sometimes I'll, I'll think about the gig and I'll think about the music and, and, and I, I think just for me trying to get centered before I go on stage so that I'm not, um, you won't see me partying before a gig or like going outside and jumping or, you know, I, I like to get calm and I like to get centered so that my brain is able to function and work. So that's what I try to do. Have you found that there's a particular type of music you like to listen to before a show? Um, well, um, usually pretty, uh, atmospheric mellow stuff is what I try to do to, again, just try to get myself to a calm place. And is it with headphones or just usually headphones? Yeah. Cause I don't want to disturb other people. Cool. You know? And just sort of shutting down for a few minutes before I go on stage so that I'm not, you know, totally amped up because I find the more amped up I am and this is just me, uh, then the more, uh, then, then those are the times when I think um, I can make mistakes because I'm not focused. Okay, not so centered. let's talk about amped up. But for for people out there listening that not quite sure what you mean by that, um, there are some people I think that it works for them to like you know yeah we're gonna do this yeah you know and and sort of like the energy thing. For me, it's the calm thing. I need right. to be so amped up would be like yeah, let's do this. And I think, uh, although I think it's cool, I think Jocko had a, had a saying he would tell to the guys, he said, okay, guys, no prisoners. You know, that's what he would say before he go on stage. So, you know, that's more of a like, from, which is cool. I think that's great and it works for some people. But for me, I take the opposite approach where it's like, I just want to be quiet and, <clears throat> you know, and maybe just put myself in a place where I'm by myself listening with headphones to some calm music and then I'm ready to go on stage. And are you paying attention to in those moments? Are are you paying attention to how your muscles feel like specifically like in your hands and arms? Like are you trying to get them as loose and relaxed as possible or is it really just all in the mind? I think it's I think for me it's it's uh in the mind mostly. Mm-hmm. I think as musicians our worst enemy is our mind. Our mind. Oh yeah. Um because we can get so uh, and that's one of the things, you know, that when I, because I deal with a lot of students and so I see this all the time. And the good thing is as a teacher, I think the best teacher, uh, under, can, the best teacher is somebody that has gone through what they're struggling with because they can understand. Sure. You know, 
Uh, so for me, when when I'm when I'm dealing with that with students, I mean, um, I, I I try to tell them that that this is this is a normal part of what you're dealing with uh, in music. I think most people deal with it on one level or another, and I think everybody has a different approach to overcoming it. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, um, you know, just being as calm as I possibly can that works for me. That's my approach. Mm-hmm. And that's what I try to share with students. But it might be something different for somebody else. Can you recall a time on stage maybe that you you share with students where things got really chaotic? Oh, yeah. I mean, I've had some really embarrassing moments, mm-hmm. you know, on stage. But, you know, it's that's part of being human. And, and you know, Artie Shaw said, you know, if, if, if I'm not making mistakes or I'm not... Uh, having problems on stage it's because i'm not taking enough chances so there's always going to be that element that you just have to realize that that when you're when you're playing live music there's humans involved and sometimes things will happen and sometimes stuff is embarrassing but it's part of it's part of music Mm -hmm. it's better to have that happen than to play safe yeah, I think so because because it's 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 worth it's worth the risk because what you're going to come out with is going to be beautiful because you're taking chances, you're taking the music where it wants to go, and <clears throat> going back to what you were asking, the thing I try to I try to understand is that um, that music, uh, just in life in general the self can be a really bad thing to focus on. And again, this is my opinion. People can disagree with me, but um, at least overly focus on. So when I'm overly focused in a performance on myself, um, that's a bad thing because that means I'm not listening Mm -hmm. because music is about communication between three guys, five guys, whatever, how many are in the band. And if I'm listening too much to myself and that little voice in me is telling me, that was a stupid note. Why'd you play that? You know, Mm -hmm. those little voices that go on. I'm too focused on myself. Mm -hmm. And I have to get rid of that and be able to be in the music in the moment. And I think that's true in life for me too. When I'm too focused on myself, then I'm not concerned about my wife. I'm not concerned about my friends. I'm not putting enough into that. And I think sometimes when you lose yourself, you find yourself, you know? Right. And I think that's true with music. So when I'm playing music, if I'm focusing on all my little things or whatever, I'm finding that I'm focusing too much on myself instead of just being in the moment and and thinking about the big picture, which is the music. Uh, Because the person in the first row is not going, wow, that bass player, he moved his finger wrong. You know, he's, he's hearing the whole thing. That's what it's about. It's about communicating with a group. And so um, that's what I try to encourage my students to do as well, is not think so much about yourself. So how do you how do you correct in those moments? What, do you have a, a plan uh, or a kind of philosophy that you follow? I just I just dive into the music. You know, I dive into what's happening. I'll, maybe I'll listen more to the guitar player. I'll listen more to the drummer. Or maybe I'll listen more to both of them. Or maybe I'll listen, if it's a vocal thing, I'll listen to the, lyri- the lyrics of the song. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's, guys, what we do is all about serving the music. Right. It's not about serving Steve. It's not about serving myself. How can I make this music happen? And that has to be a collective thing. It's not a single thing. Mm-hmm. I've never been... Uh, even though I'm doing solo records and stuff, I've never been a solo bassist. Nothing wrong with that, but but my concept is it, it, it's unity. It's a band. I want to make music with two or three other people uh, because I know there's going to be magic in that. Mm-hmm. Because I'm going to play off them, they're going to play off me. But I can't do that if I'm totally focused on myself. And the worst people, the worst people I've played with are people that don't listen. They're so involved with themselves then uh and maybe that was the wrong term to use maybe i shouldn't say worse but the most the the least fun i've had on gigs is with people that are not listening because i could do anything and they're just doing their own thing whatever instrument it is and so i try to play with people that are not doing that and so i try not to do that but i've heard peter erskine talk about um when you're in the moment of performing removing yourself and trying to listen to what's going on as an audience member. Absolutely. 
I think that's the key. Yeah. That's the key. And that's that's a a surefire remedy for being wrapped up in listening. To Absolutely. Yourself. If you can like a lot of times for me it's like you close your eyes and just if your mix is good especially helps if you feel like you're listening to a record or you're listening to a show then you can hear it from the audience standpoint and then to even take it one level deeper you can even say to yourself what would i as an audience mm -hmm. member want to hear next yeah and absolutely like use that to sort of guide your playing absolutely yeah absolutely it's just getting out of you out of sort of out of yourself and thinking of the bigger picture mm -hmm. bigger picture i think this is such a huge concept for <laughs> students to understand the 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 notion of hearing versus listening mm -hmm. right so can you talk to that like how would you describe the difference between the two wow um Well, I, I guess I guess hearing is different in the sense that you can hear something and maybe not respond to it. Listening, I think maybe, and again, I could be wrong about this. It's a question I'd probably have to think about. But listening um, seems to be maybe a deeper thing of responding, maybe. Right. I'm really listening, and so because you can you can you can you can tell somebody to do something good. They have, they can hear it, but they have a choice either to do that good or not to do the good. And I think for us as musicians, we can tell somebody to hear, but if they're not really listening, uh, if they're not heeding the advice and they're not listening, then it's not going to produce anything. Right. I, I use uh, active and passive uh, mm -hmm. as um, parts to describe that. So sure. Like, that's probably like yeah. when you're listening, you're actively involved, right? right? Your mind is really right. engaged. And if it's passive, you know, like they say, in one ear, out the other. Right, exactly. Right? Like pass, exactly. passing through. Exactly. Um, I, I, I just think that's so important, yeah. you know, like at, at a really young age for musicians to understand that at, at any instrument, you know, like. Absolutely. Because you're right. It, like if, if you are self-indulgent, nobody wants to be a part of that. Mm -hmm. it's, it's just, you know, that's not fun because you're not part of the collective because I, the best part about playing in a band is like that extra energy that comes from everybody being on the same page including the audience it's totally. the band and then the audience and you're you're just you're you're missing something if you're not doing that right it could you could be the greatest player in the world and mm -hmm. you could be playing things that make people's jaws drop but there's there's something that's not deep about it in my experience Definitely. i would rather go hear three uh, musicians that play really really well together then go hear three virtuosos who play great individually, but they can't connect as a group. Mm -hmm. Have you always had this this understanding uh, as a player, or have you had to develop it? I, it's probably I think it is a maturity thing for students, you know. Mm -hmm. So probably it has developed. But I think I think the very nature of what the instrument I play of bass is a very tends to be a very supportive instrument. So I think there is a little bit of that drilled into you at an early. Um, but but I I think I think it is a learned thing that, that it's a maturing thing that, that you get because the focus you know initially has to be what are my scales I mean when you're first learning it is sort of a self-focused thing because what are my scales what are the arpeggios how do I play this chord you know you have to get the tools the technical tools in you um, once you have those then <clears throat> then that's the opportunity then I think to start to grow the other stuff. But I think it is a good idea early on to at least introduce the concept. And how do you do that with your students? Is there, are there any practical exercises that the audience can take away? It's usually it's usually in ensemble playing. That's usually what I tell, you know, it's good to practice, spend as much time practicing by yourself in your room or wherever you practice. And but you, you're not going to get that experience when you're practicing. Mm -hmm. So you have to play with people. Mm -hmm. So get two or three buds and just say, hey, man, let's play some music. It doesn't matter what music. Um, I remember hearing, uh, uh, and I was never a big fan of Nirvana initially, but I remember hearing them on Saturday Night Live. And <clears throat> one of the things that blew me away is they were actually using dynamics. I was like, wow, this is cool. You know, so... Those musical things can happen in any genre and any kind of music. Mm -hmm. So whatever music you're playing, put dynamics, put, you know, listening to each other, put, you know, the, the, put those things that we were talking about into practice as you play with people. But unfortunately, it's harder to do that when you're practicing by yourself. 
Yeah, definitely. Dave, this is, I don't, I don't think a question you and I have ever really talked about is, do you uh, address this with your students? Dynamics? No, no, no. I tell them to play as loud as I can. <laughs> that's <laughs> the best. Yeah, that's the best. No, the, the, uh, the listening, like how is it from a drummer's perspective, like, like listening versus hearing and, and how they work on that as a musician? Well, I think that if you're in most cases, the drums are serving the same role as the bass, which is that like in pop music, you're being supportive to what's going on. And so, you know, I think with the younger drummers, it's common to overplay, play fills in the wrong mm -hmm. spots, things like that. And so one of the things that you can develop, I guess this would go for any rhythm section player as to like when you're going to fill and things like that, you can listen for gaps in a where the vocal has a rest mm -hmm. and you can play fill or to set up a section or something like that but also to be listening if i'm if i'm playing with a really busy busy guitar player that's going to change how i play i'm going to simplify what i'm doing mm -hmm. because there's not space for us to both be going at it like that you know if i'm playing if i know that i have the green light from the artist and there's more space and things like that i can go in a little more but um nine times out of 10, that's not predetermined. That's based on listening to what's going on around you. Mm -hmm. And so if it's uh, new people I'm playing with or something like that, uh, like the radar's up right away. How do these guys play? Where do they put the time? What's their phrasing? What's how busy are they playing and things like that. And that's going to inform how I play. And I'm not someone who's going to come in and say, I'm here. I'm going to do my thing. This is how I play and get with it. You know, it's like it. And I, Steve is definitely the same way. We're more, reactive and responsive and that comes down to just an awareness i think an awareness that you need to do that and that can come from a great teacher it can come from recording yourself and listening back and go oh i thought i was playing some awesome stuff and it doesn't mm -hmm. work with what's going on around me and so next time i hear that maybe i should adapt what i'm doing to fit mm -hmm. things like that so you can i mean you I say this a lot, but you can be your own best teacher in listening to recordings. Mm. And yeah, hearing, no, you know, no. that's yeah, always been sure. your staple is, yeah. is record yourself, record yep. yourself. Yeah. And yeah. it's hard to get people to to take that extra step. Mm. Uh, yeah. I just said that to a student yesterday, like yeah. just go in. How do you think they asked me, well, how are you hearing these things? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, like like a buzz on, on a note or whatnot. And I said, well, because I'm listening to mm. it. Like, well, how do I develop that skill? You listen to Dave Johnstone. <laughs> you record yourself. I mean, how many times well, has he said it, that? And the advantage of that is the reason you can hear it and the student can't maybe it's that the student's ears aren't developed to hear that but most likely it's because you're not the one playing it so right. all of your right. mental ability can be focused on listening mm -hmm. because as we've been talking about so much of your brain gets wrapped up in what you're playing while you're playing it recording yourself allows you to step outside of that and just hear it as a listener mm -hmm. like we were just saying a minute ago you know and then you're not having to think about like my right foot is doing this and my hand is doing that, you know, then you're just listening. You're going, Oh, I hear what that sounds like now. Mm -hmm. and you can hear it objectively and you hear it as an audience member, yeah. which is ultimately what needs to happen. Yeah. Absolutely. When you're working with your students, um, you advise them to record themselves as, yeah. as well. And, yeah. and are, do you give them any coaching on what they should be listening to? Well, I mean, uh, time tone, um, again, things that we've been talking about, like dynamics, um, just the overall um, things that we're talking about in music and but tone and time are, are a big part of it you know um, um, most of the students though do not take the advice for whatever reason I'm not sure why I think it's hard to listen to yourself sometimes but it's 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 so beneficial yeah it changes everything I still don't like listening to myself I'm, Me neither. Yeah, I'm Even my like, worst critic. Yeah, I'm yeah. like records I play on, and I'll, li I'll listen to it one time. I'm like, cool, yeah. never listening to that again. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's true. But but I think there's so much you can learn from listening. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I like so. How do you how does someone get past that fear of wanting to of of hearing themselves, like listening to themselves, like because it's it's like an anxiety, right? Like we, yeah. we all just said it. Yeah. I don't like hearing myself, yeah. and yeah, like like Jimi Hendrix is you know famously quoted for saying couldn't stand the sound of his own voice yeah. right so maybe that's a part of it that students just they don't want to look in the mirror 
you know, and so how can somebody get past that to a point of seeing that, hey, this is really going to help me if I do this? I think that, well, you no, go ahead, please. I think that the hardest thing is to just start to get in the habit of it. Mm. Yep. And I think it takes a real belief that it's going to work and it's Mm. going to improve you because it's easier. I've had conversations with people who literally say, I would prefer to remain in the fantasy of what I sounded like rather mm-hmm. than hear the reality. <laughs> yeah. I'm not kidding. And so, because when you come off stage, like you think a lot of times you're like, that was great. It sounded great. And then you, you hear back, you're like, Oh, that was, that was rough. You know? So I think once you start doing it, it, I think really the trick is getting over the hump to start doing it. Mm-hmm. Because once you start, then you see so quickly the benefits of it. Yeah. And once you're seeing results, it's it's painful, but you have to want it bad enough to subject yourself to that pain to know that you're going to come out on the other side. Because ultimately, what's the point of practicing or playing at all if you're not going to have a realistic idea of what you sound like? Yeah. You don't want to think you sound one way and sound another way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you, you just got to like take your medicine you know, and mm-hmm. just do it because that's the only way you're going to have a realistic picture. And now when I'm playing... Because I've heard myself recorded so much and listening with a critical ear, I can play something and go, oh, I'm pretty sure I know what that really sounds like. Mm. And then, so it ultimately ends up giving you confidence. But you have to be willing to humble yourself yeah, <laughs> a lot yeah, to yeah. get there. And, Steve, can you chime take in on the that? Pain. Take well, the pain. Well, no, I just, I agree with everything you just said. I mean, that's totally it. I think the main thing is just to do it. Sometimes you have to just do stuff that you maybe even don't fully want to do or understand in, in, in music. You just have to do it to get to that next place. Again, right. look at the bigger picture. It's all about the bigger picture. Um, what's gonna get me to improve? Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's going to be a hard road. But I ha- there, there, there are students that I've seen come through the college that leave the same as they came in. And that to me is the saddest thing I could ever see. And it's not because of the teachers. It's not because of the program. It's because they refuse to do something like that. You're only going to get out of it what you put into it. They refuse to listen. They don't take the advice of the teachers. Um, they're not going to do stuff like that. This is the way I play. It's like, what can you do? What, what can you do with a student like that? All you can say is, well, okay. Have um, you read uh, Carol Dweck's book, Mindset? No, I have not. I, I, I mean, we are huge fans of that mm-hmm. and she calls it the fixed mindset okay yeah uh, when when someone has reached a uh, plateau in their in their advancement because they're in their own way are you able to see it. that in students like pretty early on yeah and how do you address that well it's hard I mean sometimes I sometimes I just I just give them the information and then once they start rejecting it, there's a certain point where it's like, as a teacher, there's nothing I can do. What can I do? Because they're not adhering to what's being said. And I see it, I've seen it more, the, the base program, the basis are pretty cool. They're, 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 they're pretty strong with when, when you tell them something, uh, they do it. And, and the amazing thing is then when, when they do that, you see the progress like really quick. Oh, it's you know, amazing. It's yeah, amazing. Yeah. And then oh, yeah. and then you're looking at them going, wow, like six months ago, we were talking about your jazz phrasing and now it's amazing. I totally forgot about it, you know, because it's so great. But I've seen it in other departments because I, I, I'm an EW player as well. And I've seen it in other departments and certain people where they're just like, they're not listening to the teacher. Mm-hmm. Anything the teacher says, they're just, I know everything. And, and I think, I think for students, you know, for all of us, because I still am a student. I still am learning. I still am taking classes. Right. We, yeah. And Cora and Paro, I'm still learning. I'm yeah. still, we all are learning. And I think mm-hmm. having a spirit of, of a teachable spirit, I think is the most important thing, not only in music, but in life. Mm-hmm. And I'm not perfect in it. I get prideful like everybody sometimes, but but having that te- that 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 teachable spirit, I think, is the most important thing you can have in life. Whatever you're doing, if you're able to learn, you're gonna grow. If you grow, you're gonna get better at whatever you're doing. Mm-hmm. And to get to a level of musicianship where I'm not having to think as much because I've done the work, I've put those hours in, 
and I'm still working on it. But I think it you start to have more fun because 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 you're able to go farther with the music because all those things that you've implemented, you're able to go farther now. You're able to be creative. You get the technical stuff a little bit out of the way, and all, then you're able to just focus on the music and be creative. But you're not going to get to that level if you're not listening to teachers. You're not going to grow. I've seen them come in this way. They leave this way. It's, it's the saddest thing. It gets back to that point of listening again, right? Like you know, yeah. it's, it's such a critical thing. Yeah. Have you always been um, in the growth mindset? Yeah, always. I've studied my whole life. Mm-hmm. I've studied voice, studied guitar, studied piano, composition pretty heavily. Um, and it's been a really, uh, and even just on my own, just like reading books and um, stuff like that. It's really something that I hunger for. The, uh, that's where I was going to go next. Are you cool if we go down this sure, path? Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is what? What kind of material are you consuming? Material are you consuming? Non-musical to advance your thinking. Uh, for me, I mean, just for me, it's the Bible. That's mm-hmm. that's where my focus is on. But but it's it's other books related to the Bible as well. And uh, uh, I read some. Uh, I've read some self-help books, which I can't remember the titles of now. But um, but um, but mostly it's like focusing in on how can I become not only a good musician, but a good person. Mm-hmm. And trust me, I'm far off from being where I want to be as either of those. But it's something that I'm trying to do on a daily basis to make myself better. And I think if I make myself better as a person, I'm also going to make myself better as a musician. Right. Because it kind of goes hand in hand. It totally does. Because mu- music is technically is a skill. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. and like. And there are many things in life that that are skill based. Right. But what are we trying to do both in music and in life is like live a free spirited lifestyle. Right. And, Absolutely. And create in music. We would call that creativity. Absolutely. Um, but in in life, people could call that happiness. Well, and I know a lot of, you know, there's there's situations of people that are great players, too. And this is good for students to understand. But their 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 attitude is not great. And so maybe they've worked on their skill of music, but they haven't worked on themselves as a person. And um, that limits their opportunities to work. Because again, a huge part of why you get hired as a musician is because people like to work with you. Mm-hmm. And if you're not that, if, if you're not a likable person in that way, then then sometimes, People will not hire you just for that reason because there's so many musicians that they could hire that they like working with better. So I think working on you yourself as a person as well as a musician will, if you choose to be a career uh, player, will help your career as a musician because it's just as important as your playing, as your attitude and, and who you are as a person. Do you routinely uh, um, tell your students that? Uh, as much as I can, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because again... I try to train them for the real world. I try to train them for, I've been in this a long time and, 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 you know, and I've made my mistakes and some of that education comes from my mistakes is, you know, look, these are things that you don't want to do. And, and again, a huge part of it is just your attitude is how you deal with it. And sometimes I have a student now that's at the school that, uh, her attitude just blows me away. And in a positive way, in a positive okay. way. Yeah. And it's like, I'm like, you know, and her plane is growing and I'm like, we were telling her, you know, you, you, that's something very special. You're going to work a lot mm-hmm. because you're, you're, you're getting your skill together, but your attitude is so positive. Definitely. And I like what you said a minute ago too, that <clears throat> you feel if you can improve yourself as a person, you'll improve your playing. Absolutely. Because not only in the literal sense that you're talking about of people don't want to work with jerks, but in the real like big picture end goal is that your personality will come out in your playing. Too. Absolutely. And you're trying to express who you are as a person Absolutely. through the way you play. And I don't know about you, but there have been people where I don't like them as a person and then I don't dig their playing because yeah. I feel like it's because I feel like I'm hearing so much of their personality that I don't like in their playing and vice versa. Absolutely. People who I like, who I really gel with as a person and I just dig their playing because I yeah. dig where they're coming from yeah. as a person. Yeah. Your personality is your, your playing is going to represent what your personality is. Exactly. Yeah. I, I think that for sure. And I know some guys, some people that 
are, are not nice people that, that still work. Uh, but you know, it's, it's more than not, it's, it's, it's going to be bad for you. So your attitude is so important. Are there any first steps you can advise the listeners out there, uh, to begin cultivating, uh, maybe not a growth mindset, but working on themselves if they haven't really done that? Well, I mean, I just, I think, you know, yeah, that's, I have to think about that one. Um, I think the main thing is just, you know, just trying to understand the golden rule of treating others the way you would want to be treated. And so when you're in situations with people, uh, for me, a lot of times it's thinking before I speak. It's just um, um, trying to speak to people in a way that's kind. Sometimes you have to be rough. I mean, as far as like you have to speak something that's true, but just trying to be kind with people um, because that to me is, is the way, um, I would want to be dealt with. So thinking about, I don't know if this is answering your question, but thinking about how you deal, how you deal with the other person, is that a way that you would want to be dealt with? I think that's the perfect answer. You know, so, so if, if there's an issue or there's a situation, you talk kindly to the person because, that if that were if it were reversed that person you would want them to talk kindly to you Mm -hmm. so it's like listening to your playing but also doing like reflection on how am i responding to other individuals absolutely absolutely and and there again that can only happen when you're playing with other people Mm -hmm. that can't be done in the practice room so again i always am stressing to my students practice 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 but you got to play because it's more about the the connection with other people musically personality wise um and the other thing is i've played with great musicians like dave and people that i've known for 20 30 years and it's about relationship sure i still play with them and they're still amazing musicians and i and when we get together and play uh it's like it's like just so easy that connection is there so that's another thing of encouraging people to play is because of these connections you'll take through your whole life. Mm-hmm. But Can it's I circle back to um, a few minutes ago, you threw out the term EW player and most people won't know what that is. And it's one of my favorite things about the program mm-hmm. at Mama is the EW program. And I've been an EW player yes. of yours over the years yeah. on and off. And can you talk about what that is? And I think it's so vital in what we're saying about right. playing with other people. Well, at the school, um, Los Angeles College of Music, what they do is they have what they call, they have classes. So uh, say it's a rhythm studies class. We're dealing with tunes in odd times, odd meters, whatever. They'll have a regular class where you meet and you talk about the song with the students, just the teacher and the students. And then you go through and you show them if there's things they have to learn. And then they have what they call an ensemble class where then they hire professional musicians in my case, it's a bass class. So we would rehire a drummer and a guitar player to come in and actually sit with the students and they get to play with these professional musicians one at a time. And they get to play whatever the song is. And then uh, as the teacher, I would critique them and say, why don't we try this or why don't we try that? And that is an experience that just, even if I didn't say anything, the experience of the students being able to play with professional musicians is worth the ticket oh definitely not only that it's (laughs) the experience of playing with people but also the thing i love about it is you're getting feedback about your playing from Mm -hmm. someone that doesn't play your instrument that's true too so it's like for me playing with your bass students like i don't care what you did with your finger or your technique it's like this is how it felt to me and this is how it affected what i was doing and you're getting a really broad musical input that's not technical even if you're trying to do that, even if I'm instructing a drummer, trying to be as musical and non-technical as I can, to have you hear one of my drum students, you're going to probably still say something totally different. Right. And the fact that they're getting all that input all at the same time, yeah. I've always thought that's such such a brilliant approach. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And so the EW player thing that stands for Ensemble Workshop. Ensemble Workshop, yeah. yeah. So yeah. they would do these ensemble workshops. Yeah. And I did a lot of your jazz-based yes. classes. Mm-hmm. And, I just, it, and it's cool for me, too, because... I would do yours and also um, 
Jody Fisher, who I don't think is there anymore, no, Jody's was there. another guy. Man, I just learned so much from you guys. Be observing mm-hmm. you teaching and your the way you talk to these guys. I learned a lot just being in the room, and I got to play and get paid. And it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's cool. <laughs> that sets up my next question perfectly, which is what do you want other musicians to know about you know playing with bass players like what are you or let me rephrase that you as a player what do you wish the other musicians knew was going on um yeah can you rephrase sure sure so you're talking about you were uh you know you learned a lot about hearing another person's critique Mm -hmm. um that's not a drummer so you're with students that maybe they're not bass players oh, okay what do you wish they knew about bass players or or a skill that they should try and work on to better communicate and gel with bass players um i think the biggest thing again is listening i think to me for the drummer like when i would do i did ralph humphrey's class for like 17 years i was an ew player i was a bass player and i think the biggest thing is is listening also time you know uh, but that stuff can be taken care of the listening thing is the biggest part. When I work with my my pet peeve with drummers is when I work with them and they're not listening to me, I know it right away. I can feel it, uh, and it's the biggest drag. It's the biggest drag to play with that. What do you? Can you be more specific? Like how how can you tell they're not with volume? You? Uh, if it, say it's a say it's maybe a um, uh, New Orleans kind of groove, how much swing we're putting on it? He's not listening. Even a swing tune, how much how much are you swinging? Um, I don't mind adjusting, but if if I'm constantly adjusting to them and they're not listening to me, and there's not a middle part, then it's just I would rather be home watching a documentary. It's like having a conversation where you can't get a word in edgewise because the person doesn't stop talking about exactly. themselves. And yeah. it's like everything you're saying is interesting, but do you want to know what I have to say? Right. Like, yeah, it's the same thing. And there's some people I love, you know, that I love as as friends, but I can't play with them because they just refuse to listen. And I, you know, it's like, okay. Um, again, I, I, I'm not looking for a drummer with the most chops. I'm looking for a drummer that can create a good groove and that will listen. Because if that's there, we're going to make some pretty cool magic. Mm-hmm. All right, good. Um, so I have... Uh, another question, unless you have something you want to jump in with. All right, so I had taken a note a while back. Um, you are you had mentioned earlier about being okay with with uh, things starting to take a different direction on stage mm-hmm. in whatever uh, facet in the moment. Uh, at what point did you did you become comfortable with the uncomfortable? Um. Well. Yeah, it's, I I won't say I'm comfortable with it. I still am like everybody. I want to sound good when I'm on stage. Mm -hmm. But I think, I think for us to grow, we have to push ourselves out of our comfort zone. So one of the things I did um, was I joined, I joined Evan Stone's band, uh, the, the Ham Sandwich Band, which is, I just was like, this is totally something I've never done before. It's total improv no music. We get on stage, we put costumes on and we play. And he has jugglers, he has dancers, he has painters. It's a very avant-garde kind of thing. And that was freeing for me. It was hard. And there are some gigs that I come away from that going, that was horrible. (laughs) That was completely (laughs) horrible. I sounded bad. You know, no middle ground on that stuff. No, it's, it's either it's, it's either great or it's, or it's not. But I got to tell you, I've come I come away from some of those gigs going, wow, I can't believe the magic that just happened, and that never would have happened had we had charts, because it's totally freeing. So, I would encourage people to to get out of their comfort zone a little bit, and even if it's not you, try it and see. Uh, you know, I always tell my students, you know, with, with, I keep saying that, but sorry. Um, but I always tell my students, you know, it's like, even if you don't end up, even if you leave the school and you never play jazz again, that's okay with me. Cause I teach the jazz class, the jazz bass class. But 
what I tell them is dive into it now because you're going to get something out of it. And if you go out of here and you're playing rock or you're playing funk, or you're playing reggae or whatever, the stuff that you learn in jazz class is going to make you a better bass player for that music. Mm-hmm. So just dive into it, get out of your comfort zone and try it and and see what happens. You might even be surprised that you end up liking it, which I know that that, that would be terrible, but you might actually like the music. And the worst case scenario, it's going to give you better technique. It's going to give you an understanding of harmony and theory, how it works, chord scales. Um, You know, it's going to give you an opportunity to play with rhythm section and talk about feel and everything. It's going to benefit you. So just go for it. So for me, that, that Evan Stone experience was that for me. It was like, this is not me. I was totally freaked out the first time I did it but I'm so glad I did it. So someone that maybe they're not in a situation where they can get into a situation like you just talked about, what would be a practical first step for them to, to get into this new world of just trying things? I mean, it could be as simple as getting together and playing music, learning music. Maybe that you're not, you're not familiar with, you know, if, if you're mostly a rock guy, maybe, maybe pick up a Bob Marley record and try to learn a couple tunes from him or, or you know maybe jazz if you've never tried jazz or 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 Brazilian music bossa nova you know uh, pick up a book and read about Brazilian music or under you know just understanding <clears throat> the different elements of music because again um, I, I know we're going to get to 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 the record but the thing that was cool about this new project I did is that elements of my past came into the writing of this record. Had I not experienced those diverse forms of music, I never would have come up with the music that I came up with. And I think the music is pretty special. And, and I always relate to Paul Simon, too. You know, had he not gone into the African, you know, culture and music and all that, we would not have had the album Graceland. He, he, it was still Paul Simon, but it was completely different because of the environment he set himself into, mm-hmm. Right. Um, so, so that's what I try to do. So you can do it simply. Just, just learn a kind of music that you've never, you've never experienced before. You don't have to like it. Just, it, it puts you out there. It puts you out there. Yeah. And, and it, and, and as a working musician too, I don't get called to do reggae too much, but there will be situations where, Hey man, it's a reggae groove on this part. I know what to play. Cause I, I've experienced that music. You know, I have a funny story about that. Back when I was living in St. Louis, I got called for a gig, a guy I'd never worked with, and he said, hey, man, how's your reggae playing? I was like, great, let's do it. And I'd never heard any. <laughs> I literally went out and like bought Bob Marley. There you go. I just said yes. Like, say yes. I've done that a lot. Say yes and figure it out later. I mean, it always, you, that, it works out. that definitely is something yeah. you can do. And I, and I admire people that are able to do that. But to me, it's just I, I like to I, I like the different kinds of music and I like to put that yeah. in my. My playing. So let's well, talk. Well, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I think that segues nicely into the new record. That's exactly I'd like to talk about. I'd yeah. like to talk about that a little bit. And Great. there's a gig coming up. Let's talk about that. Yeah. So we have a release party on October 12th at the school, actually, Los Angeles College of Music in Pasadena. Um, and so we're going to reveal this new project that I've been working on for a, a while. Um, but I have really great players and our schedules are really busy. And so trying to finish the record, it took some time, but it's, it's done and I'm really proud of it. It's how long did I feel like you've been telling me about it for a while? Well, like yeah, years, right? the, the, the actual process of recording and producing it and, and finishing it has been two years. Yeah. Uh, before that it was probably, uh, Jeff Miley, the guitar player and myself wrote most of the music. We started writing probably two years before that. So it's been a four-year project, four-and-a-half-year project. And did you say that the show on the 12th is going to be the first time you're playing live? With the five with, okay. with the five members. We've done it on a, on a smaller level with three guys before, but this will be the first time the whole group. When I started this project, when we started writing, uh, and again, if this cut me off, if this is not good, not but, good but when we started writing it, it was going to be a trio. It was going to be myself, Jeff Miley, and Ralph Humphrey. And, uh, but as we started playing the music as a trio, it just was like, uh, no, this is not trio music. This has to be more. 
So we, we added Andy Suzuki on keyboards and sax and Billy Holting on percussion. Yes. So that's, that's, and the name of the band is the Odd Dogs. So that is the Odd Dogs, mm-hmm. the complete five-piece band. Awesome. Yeah. And the, and music the show meeting. on the 12th is free, right? It's free, if yeah. You RSVP on the website. Yeah, you just have to RSVP because it's a, they just have to know how many people are coming. So people can go to, is it lacm.edu? Edu. Dot edu. Dot edu. Yeah. And you can click on the events. Mm-hmm. I already RSVP'd for, for me and a couple of people. I'll be there. It's awesome. So um, they can RSVP and you'll get a little email confirmation yeah. and then you can go for free. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And where can people find you uh, if they want to learn more or contact you? Or- um, yeah. Right now I'm, I'm in the midst of redoing my website. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, probably the next couple of weeks they won't be able to because I've just, because of all the new stuff going on, I, I had to resurface my website so i'm rebuilding it uh but it's stevebillman.com uh you should be able to get a hold of me within the next couple weeks and then also the band is odddogsmusic.com and any social handles on facebook or instagram um you can get me on facebook yeah but i to be honest with you i don't know what the what the social handles are Uh, meaning like what's your how can people find you on facebook or your username oh yeah your username I can't remember to be honest. Sorry. <laughs> Steve Billman on Facebook. We'll find it and put it in the show. Yeah, sorry about that. Oh, sorry about that. Um, okay, cool. So uh, as we we uh, wrap up here, this has been a really good conversation. Thanks. I mean, like, it's been a really, pleasure. Really great gems. Yeah. Um, I learned a lot. Can we leave the audience with um, something that uh, that you want them to know about, about mindset moving forward? Well, I I just you know. The thing I always stress to my students, and I have to stress it to myself too because I haven't learned this. Um, music is supposed to be fun. And and just what I would say more than anything is try to enjoy the process. It's a process. It doesn't happen overnight. It's something that takes time. Have an open heart about learning and and just try to accept yourself where you're at but don't stay there you know don't beat yourself up you know i suck or i this or you don't don't do stuff like that it's not good for you be positive think okay this is where i'm at how can i get better but just enjoy the process because the fact of the matter is a little secret and this this is probably worth the the whole podcast for me speaking is that you're never going to get there you're never going to attain where you want to be. That's part of life. But you can get better each year. And that's always been my goal is each year I want to be better. I want to produce something more. Um, but you're not going to get there if you're beating yourself up. Be positive with it. Fantastic. Really good. Dave, anything awesome. you want to close with? That's great, man. Thank you for being here. Thanks, yeah, thanks yeah. for having I mean, me, guys. We are all this better was, for it. This yeah. was a blast, including yeah. myself. Thank yeah. you very much. Really cool. All right. Uh, we will see you guys soon. So be positive, be better. Talk to you. Thanks for listening to Musician Mindset Podcast with Dave Johnstone and Jason Land. You can contact the show through Facebook and Instagram at Musician Mindset Podcast. If you like what you heard, please leave a written review and a five-star rating on iTunes.